What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Monday, November 2nd, week 8 of the NFL season. All but done. We're almost halfway through the regular season. How disappointing is that to say? We're in November. Weather's getting colder. Not a lot of points being thrown around in the NFL yesterday. Uh, I guess the late afternoon games definitely did a bit, but... Hey, it's that time of year. If you're playing outdoors, it's getting colder. Those run games, that run defense, more important than ever. How are you going to support a passing, you know, how, how can you support a passing league, you know, when this time of year comes up? You know, the passing offenses are great through October uh, for those teams that play indoor. Fortunately, you get it for, you know, the, the duration of the season. But some of these outdoor games, there's going to be fewer points to go around, especially when the weather gets shitty. And we'll, we'll get into a few of those games um, that were like that. A lot of action. A lot of good stuff, um, fun storylines out there um, from from week eight. A lot of good stuff to discuss. Of course, it finishes off tonight with the Buccaneers and the Giants facing off. So we're going to go through each game of week eight. um, And then we're going to talk, you know, just a little Bucs-Giants preview at the end. Uh, Before we get moving forward, make sure to head over, like, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. Um, You know, all of the uh, support is greatly appreciated. And so we'll keep working through from there. So let's kick things off. Let's go straight to Buffalo, uh, where the Bills held on against the New England Patriots, 24 to 21. Um, really interesting game. Obviously, you know the the Patriots hanging around there despite having you know a, a much less talented team and roster, um, of course. Uh, they, they only uh, lose this one by a field goal, but it is the first four-game losing streak in New England since 2002. Um, here's, here's my thing on both teams, just real quick. The Patriots is a down year. It is. There's no receiving talent. There's barely any rushing talent. It, it's Cam Newton, um, who's more effective as a, as a runner than he is a thrower, still really uh, inconsistent at times. Of course, he doesn't have a ton of help out there, but... Um, that's just the way it goes. Um, this is a down year for the Patriots. It's going to be, you know, maybe maybe there's a a, pl- a play here to try and be bad. You know, Cam has not shown me anything to think. You know, I, I think through week three we were feeling the Cam train a little bit, and it's been disastrous the last uh, four weeks. I think he's got zero touchdowns and and somewhere upwards of. Seven to ten turnovers. I'm not sure what it is. Um, obviously, you know they're driving there to send it into overtime. He fumbles the ball on a quarterback run. Um, so I think this for the Patriots. Look, it's a down year. Develop your young guys. You got a lot of defensive starters that'll be coming back next year that have opted out for COVID. Get a quarterback. Hopefully, draft well. Hopefully, spend some some good money in free agency to fix positions of need. You need skill players. That's it. In 2020, you need skill football players. So. Patriots down here for the Bills. Um, look, they they have problems here, despite being six and two. Where I don't feel terribly confident about them um, if they are, are trying to make a push deep into the postseason. Um, number one area of concern is is the rush attack. We saw it get a little bit going against New England, which is a great start, uh, more so by Zach Moss um, and and Devin Singletary. So it was, I, I guess their best showing uh, of the year, um, which against New England's front, that's a really good start. New England is usually very stout uh, against the run. 
Singletary, uh, 86 yards. Zach Moss, 81. If they can get a one-two punch going, I'm feeling a lot better. But the other big problem, too, is their defense still. They still get pushed around in the front seven. Um, they've got a number of guys up there. And, uh, they've got a lot of talent in the front seven, but guys that just aren't playing up to their level as we've seen in years past. Um, and this kind of is reminiscent a little bit to me of Green Bay, where those physical teams will push you around, uh, keep you off the field. And at that point, you have to be so efficient on offense. Um, and so they were able to sneak away with the win. Don't feel great about Buffalo's chances further in the postseason. They'll make the playoffs. They'll have a great record. Um, but I just, there's, there's, I, I need to see more out of the front seven, and I need to see more games kind of like this one from Singletary and Moss to really say, okay, they've got a balanced offense. Um, and for the Patriots, just a down year. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, losers of two in a row now. Uh, they lose to the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. Bengals put up 31 points, moved to 2-5-1. Titans now 5-2. and Two, uh, two uh, touchdowns for Giovanni Bernard in place of another uh, injured week for Joe Mixon. Um, this is a really interesting game. You know, Joe Burrow, <laughs> look... For all the disaster that is happening around him, he's been extremely impressive. 26-37, 249, two touchdowns. Um, he's, he's finding a lot of receivers. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, all with six or more catches. Um, got Geo a few out of the backfield. After a really big week for A.J. Green, he kind of went absent again this past week. Um, look, I, I, love, I love Burrow, man. He's, he's terrific. You know, he was my 1A quarterback in this draft class for a reason. He's very talented. Um, now it's all, all about, you know, getting him help on the offensive line, getting him help on defense. They can build something right here. It's just going to take a, a full commitment by ownership down to, you know, the very last person on that roster committed to making things work with Joe Burrow because he's talented enough where he can take a lesser roster and beat good teams like Tennessee but you can't have him. You can't re, have him. You can't rely solely on Joe Burrow for your entire career. The Colts did that for years with Andrew Luck. We all know how that went. Um, I would hate to see you know another quarterback you know get a kind of a career um, wasted because a franchise refuses to support them. Um, and for the Titans, I I almost had a feeling that this was going to be one of those letdown games. You know, I just was I was thinking, okay, they just had three really important games back to back to back: the Bills, the Chiefs, the Steelers. You know, maybe they're not going to be able to come out that strong against the Bengals. Maybe they just kind of chalk it up as like a, hey, let's let's focus on, we got Indy coming up twice in the next three weeks. So it's like, okay, we got to prepare for the Colts. Let's overlook the Bengals. They were caught by surprise. I still think the Titans are a good team. They'll be a playoff team. Um, this is just one of those one of those fluky games. Titans weren't going to go 15-1. and one. Probably not even going to go 14-2. and two. 13 and 3 out of shot. You're going you're to lose a few games in the schedule that you shouldn't. That's just what it is at this point. This is one of those games. It was all over the uh, Las Vegas Raiders beating the Cleveland Browns. Um, but I, on, on Friday's podcast with Teddy, I had said that, you know, the over between these two teams was something that was enticing. And then I learned, oh, the weather is absolute garbage. And uh, hey, fun fact. Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr, two quarterbacks historically not great playing in bad weather. So it was a shit show. Uh, the, the Raiders win it 16-6. Vegas now 4-3. The Browns 5-3. And, and, I mean, you take a look at the stats. It's Derek Carr 15-24 for 112 yards. Baker Mayfield 12-25 of 25 for 122 yards. Uh, you, you couldn't throw the ball around. Kicking was a problem. 
Um, really, where it came down to for the Raiders was that ground game. Uh, that was the difference there. You know, for the Browns, Kareem Hunt only got 66 yards, but Josh Jacobs carried that thing um, 128 yards on 31 carries. That's the difference maker there. Um, really just a bunch of field goals, short drives, and then that one touchdown to Hunter Renfro really, really made the big difference in that game. Um, for both of these teams, uh, I still think the Browns can be a playoff, uh, a playoff team in the wild card. They're, 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 it's going to be tight, especially with a team like Vegas surging a little bit later on in the year, now above 500. Uh, you've got you know, two teams that can make it out of the AFC South with Indianapolis and Tennessee. Uh, you also are the third best team in your division. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting because at the end of the day, I think that both of these teams will be fighting for that final wild card spot. And really, uh, this win could be a, a huge difference maker just in that head-to-head -head matchup. I could see both of these teams being around that 9-7 and seven range just fighting for that final playoff spot. So really crappy game. Didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, I think both are, like I said, of the better teams in the AFC. They will make the postseason, or one of them will. Um, but kind of just a crapshoot of a game. We, you can't really take too much away from that game. Um, except saying, okay, which team under unforeseen circumstances can come out on top? And in that case, it was the Raiders, and they did it by the way of their offensive line and their rush attack and are now 4-3. and three. No shortage of points in this one. The Indianapolis Colts put up 41 on the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions have now lost seven straight home games, the longest active streak in the NFL. They fall to 3-4. and four. The Colts, 5-2 and two for the second year in a row. Um, Hopefully, unlike last year where they started 5-2, they can hold this one off and not finish 7-9. and nine. Uh, That would be nice to see. Um, two games in a row now. Phillip Rivers has looked really great uh, this past week. Or yesterday, he was 23-33 of 33 for 262 and three touchdowns. I, this is what the run game needs to be for the Indianapolis Colts. The last few weeks, it was um, more attention onto Jonathan Taylor trying to get him acclimated to the NFL, trying to see if you can make him a feature back. This is a... A rotational thing by committee, however you want to call it. Um, you got to get all three of them involved, and by three of them, I mean Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins. Wilkins destroyed the day on the ground, 20 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. Taylor didn't have a lot of success running the ball, um, and then Naeem Hines, leading receiver uh, for 54 yards, three catches, two touchdowns. Um, they got everybody involved. I mean, just count it up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven pass catchers in this one. So Phil was just spreading it around to everybody. Um, and of those 12, only three of them caught one pass. So nine of them caught multiple passes in that game. And then it was a really, it was a great game for the Colts because uh, defensively they were terrific. Um, they sacked Stafford five times. Forced to pick six, a uh, couple of good turnovers there. They have a really big game coming up against the Ravens this Sunday where we're really going to learn how legit the Colts are because this defense is terrific. Um, I just need to see how the offense plays against really good defenses to have full confidence in the Colts. For the Lions, it's, it's, the, it's the same story. Without Kenny Galladay, your offense can't move the ball. You know, with Marvin Jones as your number one wide receiver, he's better suited as a top-tier number two guy. He had a good game, um, but there's there's just not as much you can do offensively without Kenny Galladay. And, and for him to put up a goose egg in this one uh, really really made the difference for the uh, Lions offensively as they couldn't really keep pace with the Colts at that point and ended up losing by 20. Um, for the Lions, long-term projections, 
you know, maybe you're a seven and nine, six and ten type team. Um, we'll see kind of how. Hopefully, you guys can get a win at home finally. Seven, seven is a lot of games to lose at home in a row. Uh, the shocker of the week: the Green Bay Packers uh, fall to five and two. They lose this one to the Minnesota Vikings, twenty-eight to twenty-two. The Vikings now two and five. Dalvin Cook, four touchdowns. This, this, this is what I've been saying about the Packers since the beginning of 2019. And I, and I, I guess I should have seen it coming, um, especially when Dalvin Cook was announced that he would be active. I, I should have known. I should have known that this would, this would be the, a game that they would lose. The, the Packers have absolutely no run defense. None. Kirk Cousins doesn't scare anybody in, in 2020. That's that's not a quarterback that you're afraid to play against. There are talented receivers, but, I mean, come on. Take a look at the stats. Dalvin Cook, 30 carries for 163 yards, three touchdowns, two catches for 63 yards, and a touchdown. They did nothing outside of Dalvin Cook. The next leading receiver was Adam Thielen, three catches, 27. Also held Justin Jefferson to three catches, 26 yards. It's, it's the front seven. It's a problem, and it's been a problem since the beginning of 2019. Teams like the Vikings, the 49ers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Oakland Raiders. If you can run the ball, you're going to beat Green Bay. That's just it. Because you keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. I mean, I, I got to see if I can find the time of possession in this one because I'm sure it's absurd. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to find it. But, I mean, you just I, look at the drives. First drive for the Vikings, 10 plays, 78 yards, 6 minutes. Next drive, 12 plays, 62 yards, 6 minutes. Third drive, 10 plays, 5 minutes, 65 yards. Quick touchdown on the Dalvin Cook, 50-yard score, 4 plays, 63 yards. They just they kept Aaron Rodgers off the field. They got the lead. And, uh, you know, for the Packers, if I had to look at anything else, I'd say, hey, I would, I would really love to evaluate, you know, some potential – Wide receiver twos that may be available at the deadline that's approaching tomorrow, I believe. But even even a second pass catcher, I just like... The Vikings didn't look great. It, it was literally just running the ball and Dalvin Cook, and they beat one of the what's supposed to be one of the best teams in football. So um, really losing confidence in the Packers here. If they face any team in the postseason that has a formidable rush attack... Uh, they're going to lose. They're going to. It's a bummer because they were my Super Bowl pick uh, out of the NFC. Vikings, you're still bad. It's it's 2-5. and five. It's, it's not a good season. You just happen to play a team that really feeds into your greatest strength. So, easy win there. Not a whole lot to talk about with the Chiefs and the Jets. Chiefs win this one 35-9. They cover that 19.5 point spread. Jets uh, 0-8 for the second time in franchise history, going back to 1996. Chiefs are now 7-1. They are the NFL's best team. Um, to me, it is at a point where I'd... I, I'm really at a point where I would take them over the field in terms of who is going to win the Super Bowl this year. You know, I really think that the matchup that we're going to get is the Chiefs and the Bucks. but even at that point, you know, I think kind of feeding into, you know, the... You know how the Vikings kind of fed into, or the Packers fed into the Vikings' greatest strength. Uh, the one area of weakness a little bit for the Bucks is that secondary, and the Chiefs' pass attack is Patrick Mahomes and great receivers. And look, that's just that's just it. Mahomes was great, 31 of 42, 416, five touchdowns, no interceptions. 
Uh, didn't run the ball well. Clyde led the way with 21 yards. Le'Veon Bell, six uh, rushes for seven yards. Uh, was really hoping for a Le'Veon Bell just like domination game. He really didn't do much. Three catches, 31 yards. That was a lot of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman. Okay, look, Chiefs are great. The Jets are the worst team. Um, have a really good chance of going 0-16. They, they, they're halfway there. Good for the Jets. Was all over this game in Miami. Told you guys from the beginning of the week that the Dolphins were um, kind of being underrated here a little bit. And, and, and I, didn't, I don't think I put it out on a pod, but I probably tweeted it out throughout the week. So I'd have to go check. But do you remember when the Rams went to the Super Bowl two years ago? and they got humiliated by the Patriots' defense. Who was the defensive coordinator there? Brian Flores. Oh, big shocker. It's kind of just like how we were saying, how I said a couple weeks ago, Kyle Shanahan tore apart the Patriots' defense in the Super Bowl three years ago. Or was that three years ago? It might have been even four years ago when the, uh, when the, they, uh, when the Falcons and the Patriots faced off. Kyle was the offensive coordinator, and that was a Patriots' defense. And then the 49ers two weeks ago absolutely destroyed the Patriots. It's like, hey, these guys do well against each other. Um, just as Kyle Shanahan owns, you know, Bill Belichick in a way, Brian Flores, Brian Flores owns Sean McVay. Um, even in a game where, you know, the Rams really dominated, outgained him by I think 300 and some yards. Uh, it was it was these turnovers. Um, it was returns for touchdowns. I mean, you take a look, Jared Goff, one touchdown, two picks. The three-headed monster at, at running back got him over 100 yards on the day, but it wasn't anything amazing. Um, but, man, you just take a look at, at all the scoring here. It's just... You take a look at the stats and you'd say, oh, so the Rams won this thing by, like, double digits, right? But it was just the... The, the Dolphins knew how to, how to really force turnovers on this offense. They got it done. Um... Now we can say two things. We can say, oh wow, the Dolphins look impressive. They're four and three now. You know, maybe they're pushing forward. We can say that the Dolphins look impressive. We can also say that Tua didn't look impressive. Um, 12 of 22, 93 yards, one touchdown. Fortunately, he did not have to do much. So I can't say that, okay, maybe he, maybe he was just, they were just playing the ultra conservative game. They already had a, a, a great showing on defense, turnovers, special teams. Maybe they just didn't need to let Tua wheel and deal. And hey, the Rams' defense is good, so that's another reason too. But I don't know. I, I didn't love what I saw out of Tua. I didn't. We'll give him, you know, we'll give him the rest of the year to see how it goes. I just I don't feel too great about it right now. Um, Dolphins born three, sneaky, kind of like the Raiders there. Now about 500 halfway through the season. How easy is the schedule? How many wins can you sneak out? Um, to me, there's. To me, there is one remaining playoff spot in the NFL, um, and, and that's because I think the Titans and Colts both make it. I think the Ravens and Steelers both make it. There's that final wild card spot available. Who's going to get it? The Browns, the Raiders, the Dolphins. One of those three teams to me is it. I'm trying to think, yeah, Broncos and Chargers. I mean, maybe if the Broncos could get things rolling, but I think really it's between the Browns, Raiders, and, and Dolphins now for that final wild card spot. Miami, three straight wins by 10-plus points, too. Pretty impressive there. All right, let's move into the late afternoon games. Uh, the Saints squeaked out another close one over the Bears, 26-23. Will Lutz with the game-winning 35-yard field goal in overtime. Here's my story on both of these teams as they have good records. Saints 5-2, Bears 5-3. and three. 
neither are legit threats to anyone. I, I mean, Drew Brees had a few sharp passes of 15 yards or more, but it still didn't look great. Uh, just pull up the numbers to be exact. 31 of 41, 282 touchdowns. It, it's, it's Drew Brees. It's very efficient. You would assume any quarterback completing 31 passes, though, throws for over 300 yards. So um, not an impressive showing from them. They got the job done. I guess we're going to see if the Saints, if I'm, if I'm wrong about the Saints when they play Tampa again. You know, I think they caught them off guard week one, and I'd say ever since then, Buccaneers have looked way better, and the Saints have looked worse. Um, so that'll be a really fun matchup to watch on Sunday Night Football, but I don't have a ton of confidence in the Saints, and I don't have a ton of confidence in the Bears either. It's a great defense. Um, they can't get the run game going and yet are so persistent at running the ball. I know Montgomery had a good total of yards this time, you know, 89 yards on the ground, but it just some of these plays, they're running right through the middle of their offensive line, and there's just nowhere to go. And, and Nagy was adamant about doing it over and over again. Um, I thought if they were a little bit more committed to the pass game, they could have got things going. Um, I really don't have confidence in either of these teams. They have phony records, in my opinion, as, as you take a look and, and say, okay, well, there are teams with records that are around the same or even a little bit worse that I'd say I, I would like more than the Saints or the Bears. Um, both of them are, are pushing for playoff spots. It's Those wins are important, though, so hopefully you know one of them can sneak in. Uh, maybe both. We'll find out. 49ers, Seahawks. Uh, really just not sure where to go with this one. Uh, the, the Seahawks win it 37 to 27. They move to six and one. Uh, 49ers fall to four and four. It was a story of, I'd say two halves, but really three quarters to one quarter. Seattle was dominant. Um, they took a 27 to seven lead heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was replaced, and then Nick Mullins torched the Seahawks defense in the fourth quarter. 18 of 25 for 238 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, really surprising that the 49ers couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, really surprising. You know, they they, they mostly ran with Jermichael Hasty, um, and, and you can tell they were a little banged up between Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon. Um, so, you know, couldn't really establish their type of offense. They love to be run first. They had to go pass first, especially when the Seahawks just took an insurmountable lead at that point. Uh, this was one that I said the over would hit. It did. Um, look, the 49ers, you know, really got to figure this out. You know, the, what, what, what is this season for the 49ers? They're sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Everybody else in their division has a better record. Um... They're sitting at a point where Jimmy Garoppolo is looks like he is playing through a serious injury. Um, and if he's not playing through a serious injury, then there's got to be concern because he looked um, limited, to say the very least, in three quarters. And then Nick Mullins came in, and uh, uh, it was night and day, that offense. They drove down the field every single time that, that Mullins was under center. Um, and they almost pulled within single digits there, so... What, what are you? Are you a team that is going to try and push forward for the playoffs? Is that with Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that with Nick Mullins? Do you just sit Garoppolo and say, hey, get healthy. We'll try this again next year. We're already off to a pretty rough start. You know, we've caught a bad break with injuries all over the field. Or do you still try and push for the postseason? I, I don't know. It, it's a tough thing to figure out. I mean, obviously they want to win. But at a certain point, if you're throwing out Garoppolo for three quarters just to get more banged up 
and then put in Mullins and then all of a sudden your offense looks way better and you look like a legit team, then what does that really mean? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish this year is, is what I would ask Kyle Shanahan because at this point, it, it's just confusing. Uh, for the Seahawks, offense is rolling. DK Metcalf is a top three to five receiver in the National Football League. He has been... Uh, he's just, he's unreal to watch. I think eventually we're going to get to some Megatron comparisons for him, but of course he's still very young, so we'd like to see, you know, more consistency, but oh, what a freak of nature he is. Um, look, that their offense can put up points. That's what I'll tell them. And look, the, their run defense did do a good job this past week, so maybe if they can turn it around, maybe if Carlos Dunlap was the addition they needed, I'll feel a little bit better about the Seahawks. They're six and one, and for some reason, I just I would pick a handful of teams to uh, pose more serious threats, I guess, to them um, in the postseason as 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 all these teams are climbing for uh, a Super Bowl, uh, the chance at winning a Super Bowl. Um, so they win this one, thirty-seven to twenty-seven. Oh, we skipped over a few games. I can't believe that. I wonder why these games are so screwed up. I skipped over Steelers Ravens. Uh, Steelers-Ravens, really, really fun game. Uh, really back-and-forth event here. Um, a lot of points being put up. Pittsburgh is 7-0 and for the second time in NFL history, going back to 1978. They win it 28-24. They are 7-0. and Baltimore 5-2. and um, You know, if, if the game didn't start off with a pick six, if it didn't start off with a pick six, I would have felt a lot better. Um... I would have, you know, of their chances, you know, get you get down early 7-0 in the first minute. Um, you know, you go able to tie back up on the next drive. It was a back-and-forth game. These are two very good teams. We should take both of them seriously. Um, look, the Ravens, the rush attack looked better without Mark Ingram in there. Gus Edwards and... Uh, Gus Edwards and, and J.K. Dobbins looked the part. You know, you just take a look. Dobbins, 113 yards. Gus, 87. That's the support you need for Lamar Jackson in the run game. Um, and, of course, you know, two interceptions for Lamar really were the difference, especially that first one that was returned for six. So, look, um, you know, maybe the second time around, the Ravens come out on top, and we feel a little bit better about them. But for now, i gotta, I got to give credit to the Steelers. I'm going to keep giving credit to them. Um, Ben didn't look great again, but he was effective when needed. The run game still worries me. James Conner had 15 carries for 47 yards. That's an average of three yards a carry. Uh, they did get Juju a little bit more involved. Eric Ebron, you know, it's Eric Ebron's one of those guys where when he needs a new deal, he performs really well that season. And, and when he gets that deal, he kind of fades away a little bit. The drops keep coming in. The effort slows down. Um but he looked good yesterday. Four catches on five targets for 48 yards and a touchdown. Um, both these teams are really good. Both these teams, to me, are the biggest threats to Kansas City in the AFC right now. So, you know, I don't think either team should feel like Ravens fans should not feel bad. This was a very winnable game for them. Um, and the Steelers should feel good. They've every every challenge that has come their way, they have just. I, I doubted them. Uh, against the Browns, against the Titans, doubted them a little bit against the the Ravens, um, and look, they've they've come out and they've looked the part. So hats off to them. The only uh, remaining undefeated team in the NFL. Still think at the end of this day that neither of them pose a uh, an actual legit threat to to the Chiefs. I just I don't see it. Uh, other 
late afternoon game before we go to Sunday night football. The Chargers are the West Coast version of the Atlanta Falcons. They blow a massive fourth quarter lead. Uh, get outscored 21-6 in the fourth quarter to the Denver Broncos. They lose it on a last-second touchdown uh, from Drew Locke to K.J. Hamler. 31-30. The Broncos move to 3-4. and four. The Chargers fall to 2-5. and five. Uh, I was uh, On the betting podcast, I went Chargers minus 3. But if you check out uh, my social media in, in the week, over the weekend, I, I jumped ship and, and switched a little bit. Now, it will still count as a loss in the picks against the spread, but I was over Denver plus three and a half, and I was over Denver Moneyline as well. Um, and, it's, and it's for every reason that we saw. The Chargers have a great offense, and their defense is they just always find ways to fuck things up. They do. 21 points in the fourth quarter. It's very Atlanta-esque. Um, dumb penalties missed coverages it's it, it was just bad and and good for Drew Locke he's had a rough season turned things around in that second half he finished the day let's just pull up the numbers 26 of 41 248 yards three touchdowns one pick um so good for him it's it's been a questionable season for him hopefully this is a good uh, momentum builder for him get some confidence going back through um Herbert threw two interceptions but was pretty effective uh Throughout the game, 29-43, 278, three touchdowns. The run game was good, too. This is just it's, it's one of those games where the defense is at fault for this loss. You should be able to put up 30 points and get the win, especially uh, you know when all around the run game and pass game looked good. But the defense is just bad. I, I still, at the end of the day, I don't believe Anthony Lynn is the right head coach for Justin Herbert, and I hope they figure that out sooner than later. Hopefully a bad season. Hopefully a bad season would, would be uh, enough to maybe make the move. Anthony Lynn definitely isn't a bad head coach. I just don't think he's the right fit for Herbert. So maybe if the Chargers lose enough games, that would be the move to make. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because, I mean, I mean, they're 2-5 and five now. For as impressive as this offense has been, they should at least be 500. This is solely on the defense here. Um, and, and Anthony Lynn has to receive some blame too. Broncos sneak that one out. Don't really love their chances. I think they could get to a 7-9, and 6-10 range, kind of like the Lions, but um, who knows? Maybe they can get things going. They've won 4-5 to five against the Chargers now. 3-4, and four, um, really, if they want to, they got to beat up on, on Las Vegas a few times to really try and jump ahead in, in that wild card uh, search, but we'll see how that goes. I, I don't really foresee that happening. And then the ugliest of Sunday night football games, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys 23-9. Eagles now 3-4-1, leading the division. Cowboys fall to 2-6. I got to give a lot of credit to Dallas for just putting Danucci in the best possible um, position to succeed. You know, as, as much as I, I root for Danucci and I want him to do well, it was very clear that he is uh, he's got a limited arm. Um... The speed at the FCS level is not like the speed at the NFL. So, you know, we've seen Danucci evade guys uh, when he's scrambling, rolling to the side, and he wasn't able to do that. Those defensive linemen just reached out their arms a little bit longer, grabbed him, and pulled him down. A few weird calls that ruined the spread on there. There's no way that um, that should have been ruled a touchdown at the end to, to bring the Eagles total uh, in points to 23. Um, so that one was a, a really tough one to... Uh, to uh, handle, you know, it should have been a single-digit loss, in my opinion, just if they called that correctly, and then you don't feel as bad for uh, Danucci. Um, 
But hats off, hats off for them trying to get things going. You know, by throwing in the trick plays, having Zeke take direct snaps, doing a lot of motion uh, in the backfield. Hats off to them for for really just not saying, "Hey Ben, go out there, sling it around, see what you do." They tried setting him up for success. They entered the the half with a lead. I mean, at the end, the Eagles kind of just pulled away through. God, Carson Wentz. That's the other side of this thing. His first half stats of this season are just like Jameis Winston from last year. Let me pull up the numbers just so I can tell you them. First eight games of 2019 for Jameis Winston. 16 turnovers, took 30 sacks, completed 59% of his passes, and a 50.9 QBR. Carson Wentz to start off eight games this year, 16 turnovers, 32 sacks, 58 completion percentage, and a 50.2 QBR. So he's taken more sacks, he's completing fewer passes, and has a lower QBR, just slightly, but still. I mean, this is a bad, this is a bad look for Carson Wentz. Uh, he is, you know, in the three seasons before, threw only seven interceptions in each. He's already at, I believe, 12 now, which might be leading the league. I'm not entirely sure what, um, but I, I think it is. Look, you got a fun duo going on, maybe developing with Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager. You got Dallas Goddard back, but it seemed more of maybe he was just kind of out there to be a little bit of a distraction, didn't seem fully healthy. The Eagles are going to host a home playoff game. They're going to get blown out in it. Uh, someone's got to win this division, though. They look just like the slightly better team. Um, but it was it was scary how close it actually ended up being because they should have, you know, the 14-point spread that it eventually was is, is a solid win. But, I mean, if you take away that touchdown that shouldn't have been there, then you're down all the way to 17, 17 to 9. It just, it, you shouldn't have any confidence in the Eagles, even though they're leading the division. All right, so that's every game from uh, from uh, Sunday. The, the last thing I'll say is, is kind of just a, a few quick notes on tonight's game. Um, I expect a pretty hefty win for the Buccaneers. I'm going to go in the score range of 31 to 13. Um, the Giants offense can only put up points when they're playing other NFC East teams, and that's because those teams and defenses are very bad. Uh, so... Outside of the division, they're averaging 11.8 points per game. I'll say they'll get to 13, get a touchdown, a couple field goals. But this will be the Buccaneers getting up early. Then they'll run the ball a lot. And defensively, they'll do their part and, and take care of them pretty easily as they uh, prepare now for an exciting Sunday night football matchup with the Saints next week. Giants, I think by the end of, of tonight, are going to be in a situation kind of like with the Jets where, yeah, it's only been uh, you know one and a half seasons for Daniel Jones, or maybe even just a full season at this point, because he missed the first few games of last year when Eli was still starting. Um, but man, it, it's it's pretty clear here that that Jones looks a little rough. If he has a bad showing today, I think there's going to be a lot of buzz starting up about okay, what would the Giants do if they received a top three pick? We got to start having that discussion. I was I was thinking for a while maybe they would hold out just because it's only really been one season of Daniel Jones, but the turnovers are a problem. Uh, the inability to really um, read offenses, I, I just, I, I'm a little worried about his future in New York, and he's got a tough go for it tonight against that defense. So uh, I'm predicting 31 to 13 Buccaneers. I've got the under of 48 and a half points. I've got the Bucks minus 10 and a half. Um, their offense just keeps getting better. They get a B next week. So yeah, fun things going on in Tampa. Really, really exciting team. 
Hopefully this isn't a letdown game for him, but that'll wrap it up for today. This is more of a quick hits type that I like to keep it in right in that 35 minute range. So I appreciate you all for listening again. Uh, make sure to, like I said at the beginning, like, subscribe, review the podcast. I appreciate the feedback and support. We'll be back in the middle of the week. I think I'm going to do a top 10 uh, teams in the NFL Friday. Uh, Teddy will be back entering tonight. Um, Teddy and I, I think, went 6-6 six and six picks against the spread. We both are on Bucks minus 10. At the very least, we're going to tie each other this week. Hopefully, we both stay above 500, um, and, and we'll move into next week, I think. I'm still hitting around 57% of my picks. Teddy is dead even at 500, so we're both doing well. Um, not losing money, so that's always great. Uh, I had a really fun day of betting yesterday, and, and even the weekend, now I'm starting to get a little bit better at those college football picks. So we'll roll into the rest of the week, and we'll do the damn thing. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace, and I'll talk to you later. Peace.